Emerald Podcast Series. Research that makes a difference. My guest today is Ned Rather, PhD. He's a long-term practitioner of strategic development, having worked in the public and private sectors and for the United Nations, the World Bank and the European Union. He has also developed the interactive design framework, co-founded Futures of Social Innovation at the S-Lab, and managed a portfolio at the Joint Fund for Sustainable Development Goals. A link to the book is available in the transcript. Hi Ned, how are you doing today? Good. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So your book, Platforms Everywhere, Transforming Organisations by Integrating Ecosystems and Business Design, presents a new comprehensive paradigm for platform businesses and a practical methodology for platforming organisations across sectors and industries. So could you maybe just briefly explain a bit more about platforms in business? Thank you very much. There is a need for transformative approaches that, that will be able to address the complexities of the 21st century. And for that, we need a, a very different innovative business model that would uh, enable ecosystem entities to co-create value and engage um, ecosystems in learning and community development. Um, we are seeing increasingly the stakeholders seek to be empowered and uh, the current models that are applied in businesses, governance, society are simply not adequate. So my main argument in the book is that platform is exactly that new business model that will be able to help us uh, move on. Uh, the conventional or sometimes called pipeline approach to organizing businesses and creating value um, has been dominant since the industrial revolution and it basically colonized all sectors and industries. But it's simply not able to cope with contemporary challenges, needs and aspirations. And we see that it's increasingly inefficient, ineffective and unsustainable in dealing with social and economic complexity. So maybe I should just give you a, a bit of a background uh, how I came to this. Uh, most yes, of the people who enter in the space of platforms, they, they come from either digital tech or service design. Some of them uh, come from the uh, space of uh, organizational development, network theory. I've been working in the networked organizations, learning organizations for more than 20 years. And I've experienced that these attempts to bring together distributed actors often fails, or at least it's not, it's not durable. So I've been looking for a business model that would basically support networks in establishing solid foundation for actually being businesses, not just, uh, you know, occasional communities of practice or, or some passion projects. And I considered platform to be a candidate for that kind of uh, business model and have done research that included, you know, really comprehensive analysis of what we know about platforms so far. And what was really shocking is that despite the rhetoric and, you know, platform as a word being used so much, there were no definitions or some sort of a concept that would actually explain what's a platform. So I ended up spending most of my time trying to figure out what's a platform beyond the, the use of the word in, in daily uh, contexts. And uh, as I was digging further into this, I realized that we need to go beyond what's currently dominant, which is digital platforms, beyond limiting platforms to data, 
and beyond uh, the corporate platforms. And soon I realized that platform as a business model is a completely different beast. It's fundamentally different model from what we have uh, since the Industrial Revolution. But that was both a modern business model, but it has also very strong ancient roots. It might have been the first business model that humanity used uh, at the very beginning. So I was going deeper into this, and uh, as I always avoid, you know, standard definitions, uh, too rigid concepts, I ended up with minimum specifications. So elements of any business model that would qualify it for a platform. Again, no standard definitions. And it includes a number of elements, primarily who are the actors of how the value is being created. And that then led me to realize that... um, we actually are facing fundamentally different business model, which is on par with the industrial pipeline assembly line model, and that it's not just another type of an organization or a business, it's, it's a whole different universe. And that actually opened up new opportunities, and the book is uh, going further into these proposing concepts, but also uh, methodological approaches, specific practical tools and methods that can help us uh, turn those uh, businesses into platforms. That's fascinating. Thanks. That's really, really interesting research that you came into. When I read your book, a point quite very early on in, in the book stuck with me, and that is that platforms do not solve problems, but enable individuals and organizations to do what they want slash need when and how they go about it. Could you expand on this a bit, please? Thank you. So the main reference when we talk about business overall, at least in in modern times, is of course Peter Drucker. And I use his uh, approach to uh, business models, which he called the theory of the business. And he claimed that uh, the purpose of business is to solve problems for its customers, clients. And that's true for the conventional model, what we tend to call pipelines. So let me just briefly explain the pipeline so that we can see what's different with platforms. So pipeline is basically a um, a linear model that copies the way how uh, factories or assembly lines operate. That's why we sometimes call it industrial model. It's very simple, actually. And that's why it it was able to, to be applied in so many different sectors and industries. It has three main elements. You have input which is, you know, putting certain resources, human resources, financial resources, material resources into a process. And then this process creates value and produces outputs. And these outputs are supposed to be standardized because we are looking into mass market production. This model worked well in factories. And then this model was applied in basically every sector industry that that we have today. So, for instance, education, you know, we put people and we put knowledge and we put certain time uh, of professors uh, into the process, which then produces, or at least it's expected to produce, standardized knowledge of those students who then go out and apply it in the market. That works well when you really focus on efficiency, when you focus on on, uh, mass market. However, when you are engaged with complexities that we are now experiencing in the 21st century, this simply is too rigid. And also we are experiencing very different contexts where stakeholders are really wanting not just to be a piece of a machinery, but really be empowered and engage in creative processes. So platforms 
are different from pipelines because they don't have a process of input transformation, output, solving a problem for the customer. They have an infrastructure that enables what we call platform peers, but these are um, individuals, organizations from the broader ecosystem to engage with each other and co-create and often co-deliver this value to themselves. So platform as such does not solve any problems. It enables others to solve their problems by exchanging with individuals, organizations that have similar purposes. That's why it's very difficult to even get to the value proposition of the platform as a business model, because the platform as such does not have value proposition. Value proposition is defined by those who are coming from the ecosystem onto the platform to engage and and co-create the value. Thank you for explaining that. That's very succinct. And it's very important to to remember that, that it's not there to solve problems. That's not the, the aim of the platform. That's great. Thank you so much. So you also speak about meta platforms in the book, not to be confused with Facebook's new new brand or new brand name. So could you go a bit more into, into the meta side of the platforms, please? Yes, thank you. So as I was going through this process of, of discovering or rediscovering platforms, I realized that platform is not just another type of an organization or business. Not that we have, you know, sometimes, you know, assets, creators, distributors, or whatever other topologies we use. It's a, it's a different universe. And there's no one particular business model that we can call platform. There's a huge variety. And, and people have been trying to develop these topologies or platforms for, for a long time. It's really difficult because they are mostly starting from the perspective of the pipeline. So they're saying, okay, so there are platforms in investment, there are platforms in communications, there are platforms in technology. But what I discovered, or again, rediscovered, because I believe the platform is an ancient model, is that there is um, something that then I called meta, from Greek meaning beyond or transcending, uh, meta business model. So there's something which is more generic, abstract, which says these are the main elements that would make some business a platform. But these elements have has to be applied, and then this creates a variety of different business models. And I use the uh, the concept of generating system from Alexander, and, and there's a very good example. Uh, he says grammar is so-called generating system or, or meta model, so no one really applies grammar by reading a book on grammar. We apply grammar in all different kinds of ways to uh, create conversations. So for me, this meta was really convenient because then when you have these main elements, then you can start differentiating between pipeline and, 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 and platform. And then also gives an opportunity to, to get into this huge variety of platforms a specific practical applications of the meta model, most of which I, I strongly believe do not even exist today, that we are still uh, to, to create those. So I opened up the whole new universe of uh, this fundamentally different business model. And that also helped to go beyond the usual focus on digital platforms. So not all platforms can you know need to be digital. And throughout history, most platforms were not digital. If you go back to the ancient 
uh, bazaars in cities, if you go to auction houses, <laughs> regional um, educational institutions, be it, uh, you know, academia in ancient Athens or being these Islamic uh, learning hubs in Baghdad, Cordoba, Samarkand, Cairo, those were platforms and they were not using digital technology. Digital technology basically helped us to scale, which was one of the uh, uh, shortcomings of platforms uh, throughout the history. And it also has this data element that you know provides additional value. And of course, platforms doesn't have to be corporate. So by understanding platform as a fundamentally different universe of business models, this really helped bring clarity, but also enable better design of platforms because majority of platforms, probably 80 to 90% of attempts to create the platforms fail. Uh, I believe platform is an amazing business model, um, but it's really, really hard to design and uh, uh, launch and you know, sustain a successful platform. So this meta platform is basically based on four main minimum specifications. If you don't have all four, I would not consider this business to be a platform. So one is that there is value co-created by the peers. So if there's no this co-creation, if there's no at least two minimum peer groups who are engaging and exchanging, it's most probably not a platform. That's why I often say that uh, Netflix is not a platform because there's no exchange happening in Netflix. Netflix is basically digital delivery of content. It's not really value co-creation, despite Netflix using data to improve customer experience. It has to be more than a network. There are so many networks, but they are not necessarily businesses. And there has to be a governance mechanism. Governance is, uh, in recent studies, uh, identified as the major obstacle in reaching uh, the stage of successful platforms. So governance is often overlooked, and governance has main functions. So if you don't have onboarding, facilitation, and matchmaking, you're probably most probably not a platform. And platforms do not have value propositions in conventional sense, but they have a purpose, uh, an impact. They has to be based on learning, and they always involve a community. On top of this, I realized that it's a convenient time to bring back what used to be a core subject in uh, business uh, and management education, which was business policy. That was before the strategy, business strategy became uh, popular. And platforms actually are more effective when they follow a business policy rather than having a more linear and, and more uh, conventional pipeline strategy, which is kind of bringing all four minimum specifications or elements of the meta platform together. Thank you. Thanks for going into really detailed explanation there. That'd be so useful for listeners. I really like what you were just saying about Netflix um, not being a platform. I, you know, a lot of people would presume that it is. If someone says, oh, it's a platform business, someone go, oh, yeah, Netflix. So it's really important that you're, you know, defining that and explaining that clearly. So the second half of the book, it really looks at the practical tools and methods of platforms. So what are the main elements of the platforming methodology and what is the role of the adaptive innovation strategy? Thank you. So just maybe to follow up on, on the previous um, conversation, because I feel, mm -hmm. you know, when we are talking about this concept, it may seem a bit uh, uh, abstract uh, for, for people who are not in the area. So as I was mentioning, I believe platforms were one of the most uh, ancient, maybe the first business model that, that you know, humanity applied. And I gave examples of bazaars or auction houses, but also all different kind of community organizations, political and corporate assemblies, 
nowadays it's a stock exchange. Uh, scientific lab- laboratories could could be understood or could sometimes be a business model. Shopping malls, uh, many people understand infrastructure if it's organized as a business uh, to be to be a platform. And that's why I think you know going into a meta concept is important. That is that when they hear platform as a business, they they think of digital platforms and they think of you know. Google, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, Uber, Airbnb, Coursera, and others, which which are most of those are platforms, or at least they are hybrids. Like Amazon, Amazon has a very substantive pipeline business in addition to its platform business. But understanding that you know any organization, this is why I'm calling the book "Platforms Everywhere," because I started seeing opportunities for for platforms uh, really in in every single aspect of our society and economy. Is is important to understand that you know platforms are beyond go beyond this this quite limited approach, mostly coming out of Silicon Valley. So, for instance, I would consider the most successful platform of all times to be Wikipedia, which is rarely. Um, I mean, of course, people say Wikipedia is a platform, and of course, there's there's another example early on before digital technology was the Visa card or Visa International. So uh, I think it, we need to open up the conversation because that would then, it's not about whether we, you know, who cares whether I say that, you know, Netflix is a platform or not. It's important exactly because of the methodology. So if you think you are developing a platform and you are not, you will most probably fail. And this, this is what, what's happening with people thinking that, you know, if, if I have an app or a website, it's a platform. And then they fail both in terms of, you know, successful their business, but also they fail in using the opportunity platforms produce. So Netflix could do something like YouTube in its own way and have value being co-created on its infrastructure, but it's not doing that. It's basically uh, just, you know, going to cinema, but this cinema is being provided to us in our homes through digital technology. And the methodology is important because, you know, we, we cannot stay just at the conceptual level. And I'm not saying that this methodology is, is kind of finalized. It's, it's really work in progress. But I believe there are strong elements that some of those are not new. Uh, some of the tools and methods that I propose are used elsewhere. Some are used elsewhere, by, but I kind of accommodated uh, those to the particular approach I have. But I was specifically focusing on how to platform an existing organization or legacies. So you have already a business and you want to turn the whole business or part of that business into a platform. Most of the literature and most of the methodologies are focusing on, on startup platforms, so how to create a platform from scratch, or how to scale up existing platforms. But I, I saw a gap in terms of wanting to transform existing business fully or partially into a platform. And sometimes it leads to hybrids. Uh, sometimes the whole business could be turned into a platform uh, by opening up to the ecosystem. And that's important because oftentimes with, when existing organizations or businesses want to have a piece of platform in their portfolio, they just acquire an existing platform or they digitize to some extent their business. But they are not necessarily always transforming parts of the business model into a platform. And then I'm proposing ways to do it. You can platform supplies, you can platform deliver, you can platform the operating system, and eventually you can platform the value proposition, which will turn you into a 
quote-unquote, full platform. So I'm proposing a, a methodology in this book which uh, starts with guiding principles because it's, you know, we are talking about business design, so we cannot have overly rigid, linear approaches. So guiding principles really help provide a context or scaffolding for design of platforms. For instance, the first one, there are 10 different guiding principles. The first one says that network of future platform peers should already exist. So very often platforms think that they can create a network and then bring this network onto a platform as a business. But if you look into how successful platforms emerged, there was a network which was distributed, which was not activated, and then they used this network to upgrade it onto a platform rather than just starting from scratch. Or second principle is that you have to have, third principle, a minimum two peer roles. So if you don't have two different peer roles, you don't have exchange. And this is what I was referencing when talking about Netflix. After these 10 guiding principles, there are three stages of platforming design. They're quite typical, um, ecosystem mapping, theory of the business development, and then the final governance, learning, and operations. And it's kind of three design um, diamonds, you know, iterating with each other. Some are more substantive, but they come later. And this is, again, less learned from, from the practice, is that you start developing systems, operating system, you, you know, even if you want to do it through a digital tech, only later in the process. First, you need to really clarify who are your peers, what they're exchanging, what's the value, and, and what kind of channels you're using. This led to developing a very convenient tool, which I call a Platform Navigator. And that Navigator is actually not, uh, it has four different elements, platform design, research, teaming and policy, capability and integration, and convening and uh, innovation. But these are not phases because platforms are not linear design because they are not linear business models. So you always need to iterate. You can basically, that's why I call it Navigator, because it's like a compass you can start uh, uh, almost at any aspect, any entry point in this navigator, but you have to cover the other one. So you can start by, you know, bringing the team together and developing policy, or you can start by understanding what capabilities are important in the ecosystem that you want to ensure are brought onto the platform. So combining the three stages and the navigator, you have a really, you know, convenient but sufficiently complex approach, each of these being supported by templates, for instance, ecosystem map or platforming canvas, an additional large number of additional methods and tools to, to ensure that there is a mixed approach. Adaptive innovation strategy cuts across all of those. So we're talking about a strategy that is built on business policy. It's about innovation because any design of any platform is, or you know, platforming of an existing organization is by, by its nature, innovation, but it's adaptive. So you don't have a strategic plan and then you just follow uh, its implementation. You are constantly modifying strategy on the go. So you have this interaction between the intention defined by the platform business policy and the circumstances in which you are engaging. So this is one of the really important aspects of the methodology because this is exactly where platform business model is better than the pipeline to deal with uh, really increasing complexities that we are experiencing in economies, societies, and organizations, communities. And this is why the, I, I propose that the platform business model is the model that can help us address the challenges of the 21st century. Oh, thank you very much. So that leads to, to one of my further questions, actually. So is the future of business and successful business models only going to feature platforms? 
this is not the argument uh, I'm, I'm making. And I mean, you know, I'm saying platforms everywhere and, and, you know, I'm kind of advocating for the platform, but we're never going to have like a neat ecosystem of business models where, you know, we say all of those are the same. Unfortunately, we tended to have that with the pipeline. So almost all businesses in the past, you know, century or two were pipelines. And actually that was part of the problems. Uh, that, that we experience now, you know, economic, social, environmental problems. Uh, they were always platforms. There were always certain network organizations that, that had uh, an element of the business, but they were not dominant. I don't think platforms are going to become dominant, although nowadays when you look into the, uh, the business model that has highest market valuation, all of them are platforms or they claim to be platforms. I think this is a great opportunity, not only so much in the digital corporate world, but outside of it, for all different kinds of organizations that basically plateaued with the pipeline model. And just to go back to Peter Drucker, when he was explaining his theory of the business, which we now call business model, he was giving an example of a German university from early 20th century. So understanding that platforms provide unique opportunities beyond just you know, market valuation, but in bringing uh, distributed stakeholders to co-create together and more effectively solve their own problems, I think this is the, you know, this is the value that we should be looking uh, in terms of platforms. I believe that we'll have more and more platforms, and there is certainly you know, data that shows that there's a pro- proliferation of platforms, and platforms are entering new industries like you know, financial and infrastructure and so on. But the problem with platforms, again, going back to my main argument, is that they are understood in very limited sense. So if we continue proliferating only the platforms that leads to a rapid market valuation, this will actually be more of a, a challenge than the opportunity for going forward. So if we increase the diversity of uh, platform businesses, and of course, pipelines are always going to exist, sometimes it's you know, really better to be efficient and produce standardized products and services for mass market. But I think the main issue, and this is what we hear in the in the media, uh, is about, uh, you know, these platforms that already showed uh, the dark side of platforms because platforms tend to be monopolies. This is what makes them so powerful, but it also <laughs> makes them dangerous in some ways. Some uh, platforms are actually not platforms anymore, because they start to capture and control parts of the market. Uber, by controlling the price, is, is a case of that. Some platforms are actually using their platform to uh, capitalize on a regular pipeline business. I mean, Facebook, if you look into the Facebook, Facebook isn't, does not generate any profit if you look into the Facebook platform. So Facebook sells ads, which is a, just in a very typical pipeline conventional industrial model of a business. So this is the ads sold or ad space uh, sold on Facebook that generates uh, revenues. But if you remove this, Facebook is like Wikipedia. There's no profit. So we need to really go better understand the platforms, not only to better regulate them, but also to be able to focus more on the benefits and mitigate the, the dark side of it. Nowadays, it's mostly the dark side that is, that, that is being in the program. Thank you. Um, you keep referring to Wikipedia mm-hmm. as an example of a platform. So is that an example of a good platform? And, and do you have an examples of, again, you sort of touched on this, talking about the dark side, but examples of bad platforms? 
it, it all depends what we mean by good or bad. Well, successful and unsuccessful, really, yeah. Success of the platform, and this is a tricky thing. I mean, the, the, the KPI is the metrics for success of platform because it's so different, uh, you know, fundamentally different business model from the conventional one. Uh, the metrics are very different. So if you apply the metrics of the pipeline, you know, like efficiency, that doesn't work with platforms. So this is another thing that, that I think we have a lot of confusion. I believe the uh, platform is successful for as long as the platform peers co-create the value they want to co-create. So Wikipedia is in my, and I'm using Wikipedia uh, intentionally, uh, not only because I think it's pretty successful, but also because it, it's in sharp contrast with the Silicon Valley, you know, digital corporate platforms because it's it's non-for-profit and it's 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 not corporate and so i'm also trying to be a bit uh, controversial there but wikipedia is successful because i mean people forgot but no one really understood at the beginning how that was even possible that you co-create content that is now many times more than you know encyclopedia britannica just by people spending some time really writing stuff and then other editing and it happened so looking into why it happened on Wikipedia, I'm, I'm not getting into the financials of Wikipedia because, you know, they have troubled. They are constantly asking us to donate. And that, that, that's why, you know, the financial aspect of platforms is so tricky. But in terms of really delivering value for its peers, I think it was, and it still is, extremely successful. Another case uh, that has been um, analyzed in literature quite a lot is Visa Card, which also originally was uh, a non-for-profit global association of banks. But in terms of the kind of bad ones, or I think the bad ones are those that failed to, you know, other platform existing organization or simply, you know, did not get traction. And there are many of those. I, I don't think we have data, but probably 80-90% of attempts fail because it's so very difficult. The other category would be those that have negative economic and social impact as a part of their business model, not as a, as a kind of, a, you know, lateral result, which is Uber that has really negative economic impact or Facebook with, you know, uh, the impact on, on society. Yeah. And uh, there's the third category is those that are abusing the tendency or the potential of platforms to become monopolies, again, Uber, but also those that are uh, using platform really as just a leverage point for their pipeline businesses. And this is where we get into the hybrids. And most of the platforms today actually are hybrids. You know, Amazon and Google being uh, the most obvious ones. Amazon with its warehouses and other pipeline businesses, Google with hardware and so on. It's interesting, as you say, I think, you know, the hybrid is, is certainly more what we're used to and, and what we see quite a lot of. And, you know, Amazon and Google are really good examples of that. I, I like how you allude to how with Wikipedia successes and, you know, profit, obviously for Wikipedia, but... It was groundbreaking when it came out, and I think now we're so used to Wikipedia just being there that it's you know we've almost forgot how different it was, how new it was, rather than having large encyclopedias in your home or you had to find that information from the library. So it's really interesting. Thank you so much. So that concludes our talk today. So thank you for joining me. The book platforms everywhere is available and there will be a link within the transcripts that goes with this podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and I'd like to thank you, Ned, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Have a good day.
Thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you to my guest, Ned Rava. i also like to thank the team at This Is Distorted for producing and editing this podcast. Thank you.